0: Check this out, listen, don't miss this, ready? You are the light of the world. Have you heard this? A town on a hill cannot be hidden and nobody lights a lamp in their house and then hides it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that everyone in the house can see. So in the same way, you should let your light shine before others so they can see your good deeds and give glory to your father in heaven does that sound familiar those are jesus's words matthew chapter 6 14 through 16 and we talk about that verse a lot at our church every single week i close the service and say let's go from here and shine light where in dark places It's not just a slogan. It's not just an easy thing to be like, hey, what should we be doing? Shine light in dark places. That sounds good. Let's do that. No, these are Jesus' instructions to us. He says, listen, you are the light of the world. So go out there and shine. And you've experienced in the real world how important light can be. I mean, you go in your dark closet and you're looking for that, you know, shirt that you've been looking for and you can't see it. What do you do? You pull the little string, click, click, and the light comes on. You're like, there it is. Or you go for a walk at the dark, you know, and it's bring a flashlight. I can see where I'm going. Or imagine driving at night out in the country without headlights. You are most certainly going to run into a tree unless you have lights. Light is very important because light uncovers things that are hidden by darkness, that's the basic metaphor that we see all over the place. It's that it's the coffee table that you were going to bash your shins into, but thank goodness for that nightlight on the wall, because it saved you some shins and probably some foul language that you shouldn't be using, right? Or maybe, thank goodness that you didn't end up in that dark ditch in the corner of that tight curve. Why? Because you had headlights, or there was a street lamp, and somehow you saw it coming. Light's powerful. So today, we're starting a series that we're calling Lamplighters. Lamplighters. It might sound familiar if you've been here for a while, because... We've done a series called Lamplighters before. But I wanted to return to it. I want to bring that word, that phrase, back into our vocabulary because, man, it is so crucial to who the church should be in any given situation, whether you're at work or at play in the city or out somewhere that you don't live, another place and you're visiting. We need to be Lamplighters. And, and so we say every week we should shine light in dark places, but I don't know that we very often ask this question, what does that mean? What does it mean to shine light? In dark places. And so here's the picture I want you to get, okay? Back before the days of electricity, there were these people that cities would employ called lamp lighters. So as the sun goes down, there's some people behind the scenes. People don't even know their names. They just kind of, they're basically part of the mechanism of a city. But they walk out with these tall poles or ladders and lighters. And I don't know how they would do it. But they'd walk around and they would go down the street and they would begin to light the lamps. And they were so important to the community that they worked in. They made the streets safer. They made nighttime activities possible. There were businesses that could uh, you know, work now because of the lamps that were being lit. And it even created a culture that could happen after sundown that just couldn't happen because the light wasn't there. It's a big thing. Now, of course, thanks to electricity, we don't employ lamp lighters anymore. We have these amazing things called light switches and also these amazing things just like these little sensors that like, when it gets dark, the lights just come on. It's magic. But I want to steal that vocabulary. I want to steal the concept of being a lamplighter and return to the idea that we talked about years ago because I want us to remember that we have a job to do. Guys, it's only a few weeks from Easter, okay? And I know it's spring break and a lot of our families are traveling right now and you might even look around and just wonder, like, where where are people right now? But here's the thing, we have a job to do and Easter, which is just a couple weeks down the road, is the most likely day of the year for someone to come to church that would not go to church at another time. They're just going to come. Why? I don't know. Grandma said I have to go to church. It's Easter. I don't know. There's eggs. There's ham. I don't know why Easter. We just decided. Now, as the church, I think maybe if you've been in the church for very long, you understand this is the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. It's a very big day on our calendar. But for people who aren't involved in church community, they'll come. But they won't come if nobody tells them that they're welcome. They won't be here unless their friend says, let me sit with you. Let's grab lunch afterwards. And so for these next three weeks, what I want to do is talk about what it means to be lamp lighters in people's lives. Not just to invite them to Easter, because maybe that's not the best first step for your friend. Maybe you just need to be able to open a conversation about something in their life. But so that we as a family can remember that we've got a job to do. Because our world is full of darkness. It's a spiritual reality that we face every single day. And I believe that part of God's plan for bringing uh, truth and healing into that darkness is that his people be mobilized as lamplighters shine into the dark places of the world. And I believe that if you're a Jesus follower. If you're an apprentice of Jesus. You are to be a lamplighter in this world. I don't think it's optional. I think it's what you're called to do. I think that's actually part of the definition of what it means to be a Christ follower. So this metaphor of darkness and light is all throughout scripture and and how we relate to God and how he describes, you know, uh, evil and wickedness versus righteousness and holiness and good, light and darkness. And I don't think anyone highlights this dark and light conversation better than the Apostle John. So we're going to be looking at different places in the Bible today. If you want to grab your Bible, you can. We've got free ones that we give away by by the door over here. Feel free at any time to go grab one. If you need a Bible, write your name in the front cover. It's yours. You can keep it. Or if you just want to borrow it for the service and put it back when you're done, that's fine too. But we're going to be looking in a couple places and we're going to start by two quick passages written by the apostle John. Now, uh, we're going to start in the book of 1 John if you want to start finding it, you can look in your little index and find it if you don't know where it is. It's near the back of the Bible in the New Testament. But John is one of Jesus's best friends, okay? He's also responsible for writing five books in our New Testament of our Bible, the Gospel of John, the letters 1st, 2nd and 3rd John and the book of Revelation. And when he talks about God, he often employs the metaphor of light. Versus darkness. And when we get to first John chapter one, verse five and seven, listen to how he describes God. He says, This is the message we have heard from him. And we declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie. And we don't live out the truth. But, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So light, light becomes a definitive characteristic of who God is. It's not like God is like light. It's not that God is, you know, light is kind of a good metaphor. Like, I love John's directness. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. He also describes Jesus this way. This is in the Gospel of John, so at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, then John, the fourth book in the New Testament. This is John chapter 1, verse 4, as he talks about Jesus. He says, In him, clarification, pronoun that means Jesus. So in Jesus was life. And that life was the light of mankind. That light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. From cover to cover of the Bible, we see God's presence being described as light. And when you get to the part where God decides to come to the world in the form of a human man named Jesus, he says, this is is God coming to you. And what is he coming to do? He's coming to be the first lamp lighter. I came to bring light. That light that leads to life. Darkness can't even overcome this light. That's who Jesus is. So light does a lot for us. And as a result, because light does a lot for you you can help other people see what that light can do for them and so over the course of the next three weeks as we talk about being lamp lighters i'm going to give us three focus words each week is going to have one word that goes with it because light does a couple of different things and so each week is going to have one word that just kind of uh, encapsulates the idea for the week so this week's word is that light brings illumination our word is illumination We're going to start out in the book of Ephesians, talking about illumination. So Ephesians is a little bit deeper into your New Testament of your Bible, written by the Apostle Paul, and he's written to the church at Ephesus there. In this short passage, we're going to read Ephesians chapter 5, 8 through 13, and my goal is to read that whole passage in a big chunk, and then we're going to chop it up and we're going to see what it all means to us uh, piece by piece. But in Ephesians 5, starting at verse 8, the Apostle Paul comes in and gives this beautiful picture of how light and illumination explains what God does for us. So Ephesians 5, verse 8, check it. It says, for once, let me say that again. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. This passage is just loaded with like, all kinds of teaching for us today. We don't even have time to get into every piece of it, but my goal is to chop down verses 8 through 13 and see how much the illumination of God in our life will change us. And so I just want to start with verse 8, and i got to tell you, man, he's pretty straightforward with this. It kind of stings a little bit. He says this in verse 8. You were once darkness. Church, we were once darkness. I was once darkness. When God looks down at us and he sees us in a certain state, he says, that is darkness. What does it mean to be in darkness? If you're in darkness, that means that you are not in the state of God's forgiveness. It's because of sin. Like sin is these moments in our life when we are deliberately sometimes, sometimes maybe unintentionally, disobeying God's best for us. He set standard that keeps us safe. He says, when you're living outside of that, it's actually darkness. It's like being outside the house when the the shades are closed and the doors are closed and all the lights on the inside and you're out there. That's just a state of being. You're just out there. You were once darkness. It's the lies that we tell and that we believe. It's the dishonesty that we come into. It's the gossip. It's the hate. It's the lust. These are sins. And they separate us from God. And Paul says, you were once darkness. That's the state of being you were in. Part of the purpose of the church, though, it's to spread the word to everyone in the world that you don't have to stay in darkness. That God came to give us another way to show us light. And so in the very next half of the sentence, he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And I love this shift of almost, I don't want to call it a shift of matter. There's probably a better scientific way to describe it. It's like, what are you, darkness? What are you now? Light is just changed You are something different now because something happened. And so he says, listen, you were once darkness, but now you are light. Live as children of light. If you're a parent or you had parents at some point, maybe you've been part of this conversation. Some parent looks at a child and says, we don't do that at our house. Or this is where we put the trash can. And this is how we roll the toilet paper. This is the path we take when we mow the grass, right? We have a way that we do this as a family. And so God's saying something here. This is Paul speaking. And he says, listen, you you were darkness, but now you're light. So live as children of the light. Like act like someone who's from this family. Because there's a way that you should act. And if you're going to be in this family, this is the way that we act. And he breaks it down a little bit. He says, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth. So this is like a broad stroke, you know. These are, these are things that you should do. If you're living in the family of God, you need to be people that are doing good things. People that are doing right things. Righteousness has to do with like uh, working towards a st- a, the standard of God's rightness. This is how God wants us to behave and live and do. We're going to live that way. And truth. And these three things are pivotal. But this is a broad stroke. It gets more specific as he goes. But then in verse 10, he says this. And find out what pleases the Lord. So you were once darkness, now you are light. So live as children of the light, goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. It's just a really interesting way of thinking about Christianity. I don't know if you've ever put it together like this. I don't even know if most people would kind of cherry pick this little part of the sentence and, and think about it. But it really hit my brain as I hit it the first time I studied this. Find out what pleases the Lord. So uh, this is the way I see it and, and the way I'm looking at it. So my wife, Lindsay, and I, we have been married in May for 19 years. Pretty long time to be married. And I can tell you that there is great value in finding out what pleases your wife. Anybody with me on that? This isn't just a to-a-wife thing. Wives, there is great value in finding out what pleases your husband. Okay, because if you, if you want to be married for long... <laughs> And you want it to be a good experience, let me tell you, you better, you better believe, you better figure out what pleases those people. There are things they don't like. It might be the way that you chew. It might be the way that you breathe when you're drinking uh, through a straw. It might be the way, you know, whatever it is. Things that you do, there are things that you love. I really like it when you put the seat down. You're just a, you're just a solid dude, right? You're just taking care of it, right? So find out what pleases. So we intuitively understand that in a relationship, we want to find out what pleases that person. Otherwise, you are a jerk. <laughs> like, you, you, It's important to know, Like, do they like this or do they like don't like that? And I want to avoid the things they don't like. I want to do the things that they do like. And we could joke about it, but there's something to the idea of actually taking the time when you love someone to find out what pleases them. Love is about mutual sacrifice. Sacrifice means I find out what you need. And I do whatever I can within my power to help you have that need met. Paul says, find out what pleases the Lord. If you want to be in a relationship with him, find out what pleases him. I want to ask you a couple of questions. This is just a little seminar for you, okay? You get 24 hours every day, all right? We're going to subtract some time to sleep. So anywhere from 2 to 10 hours, depending on how, what your life phase is. You know, you get some time, subtract sleep time. Okay, so you get a number of hours every day. How many hours of your day do you invest in finding out how to please yourself? You wake up first thing in the morning, I'm, I got, what kind of cereal do I want? How do I make my coffee? What route do I want to take to work? Whatever, whatever, right? What clothes do I want to wear? It's okay. It's okay, you know, treat yourself, all that. Like, you, it's okay to find out the ways to uh, to take care of yourself, but ask yourself that question of the 24 hours that I have every day how much time do I invest in taking care of myself what I entertain myself with what I do with my time if I'm comfortable or not food for thought second question how much of your 24 hours do you invest in finding out how to please other people in your life probably a significant portion if you stop and think about it, I just told you it's very important if you want your marriage to be good to invest that time in your spouse find out what pleases them but you probably spend a lot of time finding out how to please your boss I want to be in good standing at work. I want to do what it takes. You want to find some time to figure out how to keep your kids content, right? You want to find some time to figure out how I can make my peers respect me. Also, an important part of your life, serving other people and finding out what pleases them is huge. But here's the big question. How much of your 24 hours each day do you find out how to please the Lord? And my guess is, unless we're intentional about it, that goes by the wayside. Day after day after day after day. Now, I, I want to say this. Find out how to please the Lord. How do I do that? Um, this is not a mystery, okay? This is not like a Sherlock Holmes sleuth mystery. You're not going to have to go to some deep, dark dungeon basement of an old library and find a two-foot-tall dusty book and be like, what's in here? How do I please the Lord? If only I could figure out. He has made it very clear to us how to please Him. Okay, that's like been one of His main messages throughout all the time. Whenever He's communicated with people, He's like, by the way, that doesn't please me. This does. Like, he's real big on, let me make sure you understand how to please me. So it's not a mystery, but maybe you need to invest some time. If you want to be in a relationship with God, find out how to please him. Your salvation does not depend on that. He's not going to be like, fail, you didn't please me. Um, No, he saves us in his grace. He looks at us and says, you're willing to turn to me? Okay, I forgive you. Now, here's a journey. Let's be in a relationship. Will you invest in time to figure out how to please me with your life? Like any other relationship, if loving God is important to you, then serving Him will take some learning. How do you do that? Well, you can read His Word. His Bible is full of information. But you know one of the best ways I've found to learn how to please God? Spend time with other people who are trying to please God. And you find quickly that there are certain things that really help your relationship with your God. But Paul... It helps us out. Um, he doesn't keep it too much of a mystery. He's going to give us a big, big, big piece on how to please God. This is, we're going to pick up in that same passage, Ephesians 5, verse 11. He says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. You know what? It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes light. Our focus word for this lamplighter thing today is illumination. How does the light of God bring illumination? In this verse, Paul nails it. In verse 13, he says, that, I believe this is key to understanding what God's light does into our life to illuminate. And I'm going to try to unpack it a little more clearly too. In verse 13, we just read it. He says, but in everything... Sorry, but everything exposed by light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes light. It looks like this. Like I've I done a lot of work on our house in the last few years. And a couple of years ago, I replaced a big sliding glass door which by the way is an awesome thing to do also a little bit scary because when you take out that giant door there's just a big giant hole in the side of your house and you have got to put that back in today okay you can't wait till tomorrow that's got to get done today so but we're excited about it because that door was installed in 1974 it was time okay and it didn't slide very good and it was ugly and it was dangerous like it, it was if you cut shut it a certain way it could, it could chop a finger off like you don't want these kind of doors in your house so like I'm taking this thing out and we're excited about it so so, you know you got to take off the trim around the door and, uh, and take out the door and get to the frame. And then the idea is you put the new one in and you screw it in. and you... But something happened. I got the door out and the, the wooden frame on one side, the whole frame was rotten. Now, I heard some of you groan because you know, you know, you're my people, okay? You know. I did the same thing that every single person does who's a homeowner and pulls back some wood and realizes that their wall is rotten. I went, Oh, great. Okay, that's your first reaction. But then you know what I did? I fixed it. I cut out the rotten wood. I bought some new two-by-fours. I put them together. I made a new stud, and I put the door back in. Here's the thing. This is how illumination works. Uh, Illumination exposes what's hidden in the darkness. Now, if I'd have left that there, there was a leak happening from outside that I didn't even know about. And that rot was spreading. And it could have gotten worse and worse and worse. And the best way to deal with that rot is to expose it, to illuminate it, to pull back the trim and to be like, aha, there it is. And when you expose the darkness, you can fix it. It's not rocket science. But we're really bad at this in our life. That's what happens when God comes into our life. He exposes darkness. He helps us root out evil. He helps us see the wickedness. He helps us get rid of the sin. He helps us deal with our addiction and our pain and our brokenness and our disobedience and our unrighteousness. And he pulls us closer to him because as soon as God shines the light on it, it's not hidden anymore. And now you can fix it. And guess what? This pleases the Lord. Now, instinctually, we're like, I don't want him to know my bad stuff, okay? Because that doesn't please him. I don't want to know him, so I'll keep hiding it. But he already knows That doesn't please him. It doesn't please him when we hide it. But what pleases him is when we're willing to go, okay, there it is. That's how light works. Illumination exposes what's hidden. And his truth shines on our lies. And his power steps into our weakness. And his wholeness intersects with our brokenness. And you can fix it. God does the fixing. The light of God brings illumination. Uh, my kids are older now, but when they were younger, and i got to give them credit because they've really gotten past this. <laughs> but, like, they're three or four years old. And, mean, I always had to do that classic dad thing. Any dads have to do the same. Moms do it, too. And some kids, like, I can't sleep because there's a monster in the closet. And we all realize there's no monster in the closet. There's a monster under my bed. Now, my kids never saw monsters. They saw crazies. They saw pirates and vampires and uh, octopus one time. And uh, my daughter, again, I got to give her credit. She was like three years old, okay? Dad, I'm totally over this now, okay? But she was but like, she called me in her room. She's like, I can't sleep. I'm like, why? She's like, there's lobsters on the ceiling. I'm like, I know there's no lobsters on the ceiling. Um, lobsters can't hang from the ceiling. There might be something under the bed. There's none on the ceiling, okay? And so I'm like, there's no lobsters on the ceiling. There's lobsters on the ceiling. I saw them. I'm like, turn the light on, illuminate the situation, expose the truth that there are no lobsters on the ceiling. Now, Paul said everything exposed by light becomes light. And everything that is illuminated becomes light. In other words, if there had been a lobster on the ceiling, we would have seen it. And then we could have called the lobster exterminator or whatever they do and they get lobsters on your ceiling when you when you figure out how to do that let me know because i want to get them out you can deal with it and so that's just a picture but here's the problem and i think this is why i say we're not good at this because unfortunately so often in our lives there are some monsters that are living in our closets and they're living in rooms of our house of our life and we are just kind of okay with them living there like maybe you've been arguing with your spouse a lot recently it's been bad or something's not right in your marriage, or maybe you've lost interest in him or her. Maybe there's somebody else you have a little more interest in. And you know, a couple of really solid conversations or scheduling a counseling appointment could probably save your marriage. But you just don't want to deal with it. So you flip the light switch off and you shut that door in your house. And you walk out and you leave the monster in there to grow and to fester and to rot and to spread. To other parts of your life. Or maybe you've noticed that you kind of drink a lot. I'm talking about alcohol. And you've got a problem. I'm not talking about going out for a drink with some buddies after work. I'm not talking about you control it and you've got great... I'm talking about you know you've got a problem. Okay? People have told you. People talk about it behind your back and you know it. You can't get through a day without just being like, i got to get back to the house and get some alcohol in me. And you know... Talking to a friend about it would probably help a lot. It could save relationships. It could make you a nicer person. But you just want to flip off that light switch, close the door, and leave that monster in your house. Or maybe our culture says that if you're in a serious relationship with someone, you should sleep with them. It's just what you do, right? I mean, do you really love them if you haven't slept with them? And I mean, really, let's not stop there. We need to move in to see if we're compatible I want to be clear about something. God's word is very clear about this when it comes to sex. Sex was created by God for marriage. That is the full context of sex. It's not for, mar- it's not for uh, in love people. It's not for people who are mature or ready for it. No, like those are great things to also have. <laughs> but it's for married people. But our culture says it's not a big deal. You fuddy-duddy. What is this, the 1940s? Come on. And God says, this is not what's best for you. I'm telling you, it will hurt your heart. It will hurt your soul. It will damage your relationships. It's not. But you're like, "Mm, but I like it. So you flip the light switch off and you let that monster live. And I could go on and on and on. And there's a list of it. It might be the filthy language that you use that just totally drags you down to a place of wickedness. Or it might be a hateful attitude. Or maybe you sneak in a little X-rated content at your lunch break on your phone. You're planning a weekend of all kinds of craziness because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. No, that's not how holiness works. It's not like, oh, you can go over there and have a free pass. No. No, these things hurt us. But we're cool with it because we can just turn the light off and shut the door. And I don't think that it's even, I don't think that it's even that we don't know it's bad for us. Actually, I think the truth is we kind of like it. And we'd love to be able to return to that room every now and then. And we compartmentalize our sin life and try to keep it separate from our God life. But listen to this God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. We might not even realize how much this darkness in our life is hurting us. But God says, listen, can you let me shine on that? Let's pull back the trim work. Let's move the door. Let's expose the rot. Let's fix it. And that's where lamplighters come in. Light brings illumination. And with illumination comes truth. And with truth comes healing. And God says, I can help you fix that. So when we are stuck in our own darkness we can call out to our dad and he'll do the classic heavenly father dad thing and he'll come into the room and he'll flip on the light switch and he'll expose whatever's in the room. Some of it might be ugly, but he ain't scared of that. He knew it was there and he's got the solution and we've just got to be willing to let him in for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And yes, there might be some monsters in the room. But that's what Jesus is all about. He's like, I was hoping you would ask me. I knew they were there. Everything exposed by light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes light. Even the sin in our life becomes light. That's like a brain trip right there. Like if I'm willing to expose my, the number of times I've heard someone share their testimony about how I was so broken and I was so messed up and I was so far from God and they expose that, there's no one in the room being like, man, you idiot, why are you sharing that? No, everyone's like, wow, that's so inspiring that you would expose your own brokenness because it shows the power of our God to come in and heal that. As we wrap up today, I have a challenge for us. And every week, I try to give us a challenge. It's like a tangible, take home, do this challenge. The expectation that our church is that everyone's gonna try to do this, okay? Like you might kind of not, but I wanna challenge you, like do it, okay? And this is, this is gonna be a little bit different for everybody, but here's the challenge this week. This week, give God control of a dark corner in your life. This week, okay, starting now, give God control of a dark corner of your life. And so, I know some of you might have been working on it for a long time, and that's cool. There might be very little darkness left in the room. You've got lamps everywhere. That's fantastic. But I think there's a lot of us who we just kind of, we never deal with it. We sweep it under the rug, we put it in the closet, shove it under the bed, pick your metaphor. But this week, let's give him control. Let go of the control. Pull back the trim. <laughs> and this is going to take some things for us, okay? It's not just like, okay, I wrote it down on a piece of paper, it's done. No, you might have to call somebody. You might have to call a friend. You might say, I I need to tell you about something I've been struggling with. I need to get this off my chest. That's what it means to expose the darkness. Open your mouth and tell somebody. Confess our sins to one another. That's one of the things that we can do for one another. It may be a sin like an addiction or moral failure. But not all darkness is sin. You might be dealing with some darkness that isn't necessarily sin. Maybe you're dealing with some deep depression or some fear, or some doubt, or some loneliness. That's darkness too. And God wants us to expose that too. But, but I hate to say this, but like sometimes you just gotta step up and do something. Maybe you need to call somebody. That's one thing that you could do, to give God control over a corner of darkness. Here's is another thing you do. You may need to admit that you actually haven't been trying to please God. Like you're a faker. You're a liar. You just need to admit that, okay? You come to church, that's great. That's a good thing. But like you're not really trying to please God with your life. You're just trying to make yourself feel better by doing morally good things every now and then and going to good places. That doesn't discount that you've done good things. But you're actually not going to grow closer to God or expose the darkness until you are able to admit that I haven't been trying. Picture that in a relationship, a marriage or a dating relationship. We all know of relationships where one person's just not trying. No, one other relationship fails. God has done a lot of the work. The vast majority of it. And so maybe the biggest way you could give God control of a dark corner of your life this week is to say, okay, God, I really haven't been trying. I need to start today. There's a lot of different ways we can do this, but to give God control of a dark corner of our life, we have to start by asking, what is the corner? (laughs) What is the thing and you know maybe you're angry a lot or maybe you get dragged into gossip easily or maybe we talked about other sins that i've already mentioned earlier the monsters you've got hidden in a closet somewhere maybe you just dishonor god by the way that you treat people the way that you carry yourself like there's a lot of things whatever it is expose that because it's so great once you see it you can fix it and god ain't mad at you for that he's so happy that you came home and said man i messed up father well help me in this. Everything that is illuminated becomes light. I, I want to give you one final visual. Okay, we're doing a lot of visuals today, and it's it's important. Picture how the moon works. This is how lamp lighters function. Okay, you know how the moon works. There's not a light bulb in the moon. Okay, there's not a. It doesn't glow all by itself. The moon works because the sun is super bright, okay? And when our earth rotates to the point where we're on the dark side and, and the sun and when all the stuff works, right? The moon is there and it reflects off of the sun. Have you ever been outside out in the country? I'm not talking about in the city folk with street lamps everywhere. You can't see the stars. Like I'm talking about you're in the country at a full moon. You don't even need a flashlight. It's incredible. You can fully carry on everything that you need to do when there's a full moon. That's how bright the sun is. It reflects that much light off of the moon, which is thousands of miles into the sky. Okay? And so when we talk about being light, uh, lamp lighters, everything that is illuminated becomes light. Is the moon light? No, it's a dark rock in the sky. But it is light because it reflects the light of the sun. And this is what it means to give God control of the dark corners of our life. Because God shines on that thing. And guess what? You become a reflecting beacon. And other people look at that and they're like, wow. I've just seen a change in your marriage. I've seen a change in this habit. You're not an angry drunk anymore. You're not a crazy jerk anymore. You're changing. What's different? They see you shining and it draws them close to you like moth to a flame. And in those moments, they can see your God at work. And that's why Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Is the moon the light of the world? No, the sun is the light of the world, but it gets full credit at night. And when we go into the darkness, the night of people's lives, and they see the reflection of our God on us, you get credit for being the light. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Guys, let's be lamplighters. Let's let God expose the darkness in our own lives daily, 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 daily so that we begin to reflect his glory and other people go, man, I want me some of that. And we can show people back to the God who loves them by showing them what he's done for us. Let me pray for you this morning.